2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Skelena. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got celebrity realtor Todd Talbot.
1: That's right, Todd Talbot from HGTV's Love It or List It Vancouver. Everybody
2: knows Todd. Everybody loves Todd. He's also been on the
1: show twice. I think that's where he's gotten his most fame.
2: Yeah. He's uh yeah, we we like to think of ourselves as a launching pad. Um Thank us later for the ND sponsor. Uh are Todd. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um but anyways, you know what the thing is about Todd Talbot is he gets a lot of uh, a lot of press for being you know a celebrity realtor a home renovator but often people think you know what does he actually really participate in the market or does he really do renovations but this guy is actually in the trenches operating in the Vancouver market constantly
1: yeah well the exciting thing about Todd i mean we i think the first time we had him on we were talking mainly about you know, his TV show. Yeah, and his hair. And his hair, yeah. The second time we had him on talking about right sizing, something that Todd's very passionate about and super interesting. Right. This time, I mean, you're right. He operates in the Vancouver market consistently. He's bought a property this year. He pulled the trigger in the spring. He's renovated, added value. And Todd knows a lot about the process down to finding renters and strategies there. And there's so many strategies of that come out of today's episode. It's, it's yeah, based on experience. It's a really, really phenomenal conversation for anyone thinking about investing in real estate.
2: And that's the thing: we're not talking about Todd Talbot, the TV personality. We're talking about the guy that's constantly renovating homes. He's done well just in the time that we've known him. I think he's done three renovations, yeah. uh, if not more. He he's, also partnered up with people on this one. So there's partnerships. There's reno's. There's, there's cash flow properties in Vancouver. There is a lot to learn from West this episode, West of Maine. West of Maine, and Todd's idea on the most up and coming areas for sure in Vancouver yeah. as well. So, so there's good investment advice. Stay tuned for that.
1: But before we get to our talk with Todd, we got to address the elephant in the room. Babar. Yes. <laughs> Babar. Babar. <laughs> but yeah, okay. <laughs> no, uh, not. Babar. I'm, up, I'm yeah. talking. I'm talking about Vancouver real estate live. Right. Right. This is the next iteration of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. We're super excited about it. It's a live event on YouTube starting Wednesday, October 9th. That's our inaugural episode. Starts at 7 o'clock. It ends when uh, it's closing time. When the craft beer runs out. When When (laughs) that closing time song comes on. East Van Brewery has... (laughs) They start kicking us out. They got to get those Scalina
2: brothers out. Yeah, Ramey from Ramey Films and the Bento Box will start. I should say, I should say, the thing is, is we haven't even talked about it. We're going to be filming live at the Bento Box, which is so exciting because you and I usually think of Bento Box as being, you know, what you eat out of for Japanese food. But yeah. really, it's it's a, it's a more of a just a food storage container where we film. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's going to be live from the Bento Box. Yes. Corey Wright of William Wright Commercial Real Estate is going to join us. And basically, the way we've conceived this first episode is, first of all, it's great to have a couple beers with Corey. Yes. We're going to talk all things residential and commercial, but what we're really excited about is talking about something that should be influencing every real estate decision
2: that is really overlooked right now. It's overlooked and it's also, we have a lot of people reach out and it's kind of like thinking of the future, where real estate's going, where investments are going, where neighborhoods are going. This is a huge consideration. We're talking about the development of craft beer, the industry, and also big weed. Yeah. And, and you might be scratching your head and saying, wait a second, what do either of these things have to do with where I invest in real estate? Stay tuned because this, this conversation is going to floor you. Yeah, no
1: kidding. We, we, uh, we're so excited about this. So that's October 9th, 7 p.m. on YouTube. We're going to have a countdown clicker. We we think we are yeah yeah we're pretty sure we're gonna have a countdown clicker it's it's gonna be it's gonna be unreal
2: <laughs> but if you have any questions in advance you can submit them to info at vancouverrealestatepodcast dot com we're gonna try and answer everyone's questions we're also gonna be taking questions live yeah, you I can you sign can, up you can interact with us at any time and uh, it's gonna be a really great night great event again that's October ninth seven to eight uh, and it might go a little bit later than that ish. Ish. But yeah, so so
1: definitely uh, come out for that. We're looking forward to it. The other thing before we go, we got another book to give away, Vancouverism. Larry Beasley signed a copy of every single book we're giving away. Sure. Inspiring, inspiring messages in, in these books. We got a winner today. We're going to say who that is after our talk with Todd. But if you want to get entered into the draw for Vancouverism, the book we're talking about, So you go to Google, you type in Vancouver real estate podcast. On the right-hand side, you're going to see our business profile. You hit review. You review the podcast. We're giving away books. We got trunks full of Vancouverism.
2: (laughs) Say the elephant in the room.
1: (laughs) But uh, and then last but not least, and I feel like I'm going on a a lot of things. Todd has throws a party every year for Covenant House. He's throwing it. It's in mid October, October seventeenth, to be exact. October 17th We've been going for the last couple of years uh, If there's anybody in Vancouver Who knows how to throw a party It's Todd Talbot Let's just say Elvis Karaoke last year
2: Oh that was phenomenal Yeah we should say Todd does throw an, an epic party This one's called Pillow Talk It's going to be a, a big party on a. <laughs> and it's a, you got to bring pajamas you gotta, You're got you wearing pajamas There's, there's Twister there's, involved All the seating is on beds um, It is exciting uh, It is sexy I can't wait for and, it And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be allowed to go <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but it is a fundraiser. hundred percent of the ticket price goes to Covenant House. And we're gonna have a link at Vancouver Real Estate But Adam, maybe we should cut to our talk with Todd. This is a fantastic conversation, and there's so much, so many takeaways here.
2: Absolutely. Enjoy. Well we should Well it's good to have you back. Yeah, it is good to have you back. And we should say, like just I, I mean you're a fan favorite. Uh, you've you've had a show for many how long have you been on TV? Since you were but, fourteen, by the sounds of things.
3: Yeah, I mean I started young um, I started when I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the current show. Yeah. Although it does feel like it. <laughs> that would be
2: like that would actually be a good show, is like the Doogie Hauser of home sales. Like the like, he's thirteen and he's a realtor. He's doing renovations, yeah. but he can't
3: lift the hammer. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of Doogie Hauser, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean that oh, guy yeah. that guy has the ultimate career. You you know what's crazy is you've
2: got a bit of a Neil not not so much on your show but like you're a performer you can sing mm, you yeah. can dance I've seen it uh, yeah. I saw some karaoke you know, well hold oh. on and it <laughs> yeah. was pretty good the and Covenant it was house uh, thing
1: last year wasn't that when yeah you and like, your oh wife, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's right
3: yeah. <laughs> you could do show tunes though if you wanted to I mean I could do show tunes in yeah. fact it looks like there may be a show in the future uh, coming up in, in the spring Wow go back on stage. Really? Yeah, in Vancouver. I, yeah, in Vancouver. Oh, I want and to see I, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got anxiety already. Like, it's been a while, and uh, yeah. it's it's like being an athlete. You know, stepping back on the ice, you're scared and. You're out of shape. So yeah, it's going to take something to do it. But you did a
2: lot of that though. Like there was a Christmas. Uh, I remember the last Christmas you no, did some no, almost.
1: Well, was what your wife did for sure. She was. I saw no, her in the, a performance. There was like a Buble-esque uh, Granville Island. I think. Uh, we're,
3: we're just White, gonna- <laughs> White Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, I didn't know. That was great. I, I don't
1: think I saw that. that well, I didn't singing. do it last.
3: I didn't do it last Christmas, <laughs> but I have done almost every christmas production known yeah. to man oh okay do you, you
2: even instagram bro <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> hi my name's Todd
0: <laughs> <laughs> well Todd it that
1: leads you. us to start first question yeah. Todd can you tell us a little can you bit spell about your yourself name? <laughs> can you, with two d's <laughs> <laughs> can you, can
2: uh, can you honestly though uh, 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 most of our listeners are are very familiar with you and your and your work uh, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself well,
3: I, you know, I'm an actor by trade. That is kind of, uh, the journey that I went on and the whole real estate thing kind of came as a, as a function of me. Well, actually my parents charging me rent at home, uh, when I moved back and I started working. Um, so I bought my first place in Kitsilano and, and, um, and actually a book that my brother gave me about refinancing it sounds like the world he's an accountant he's yeah. a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers so you know he he thinks uh, that way and um we've all we always kind of talked about real estate and and he gave me this book uh and I I read it and and the whole world of refinancing seemed to make sense to me um so I started investing in real estate and just got like super into it. I was just, it became a a hobby to start with and then a passion and one thing led to another. And next thing I knew, I found myself on a television show on HGTV. And, (laughs) um, but you know, there's, there's the off camera side of things, which, um, I'm still very hands-on in my own portfolio and that's what I love to do. I mean, at the moment that I'm not doing something, you know, in front of a camera or something like that, I have a tool belt on and, and, uh, And working,
2: and you're licensed, you're a licensed licensed. realtor, and you're and you're out doing your own investments, your own rentals. So, it's all happening off air as well.
3: Yeah, it it happens in both. You don't just play a realtor on TV. Well, no, no, (laughs) or kind of actually. Yeah, (laughs) I I do play a realtor on TV, (laughs) Um, but. yeah, I mean, you know, the reality is, is that what happens in real life is just a whole lot less sexy than how you package it for television. Right. And, uh, and it's not to say that it's not fun to watch those types of shows. And, and they give you a little glimpse into the process. It's kind of like a um, an appetizer or an overview of things. And, and people get ideas and inspiration and all that, which is fantastic. But it's not the real thing, Um and I think you know the people who are in the trenches doing it, investing in real estate, buying, selling, all of those types of things. It's a it's a very different process. So so it la- takes forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't wrap everything. You don't up don't crunch in 20, it. Twenty two yeah, minutes. Crunch it into a forty two <laughs> minute uh, one hour um, segment. Right. So so last time we had you on,
1: Todd. I my recollection is uh, you just moved back to East Van from Lions Bay. Yep. Uh, you just renoed... A small house yep. uh, right near mine in, in Grandview. Yep. Um, but we were talking to you not long ago, and it sounds like since you've, uh, you've acquired another investment property in Vancouver. Is that, is that right? You're kind of in the, in the midst of it right now? Yeah. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that property?
3: Yeah. Well, it actually, it's interesting because, you know, people always, oh, I want to find a good deal. And, and in my experience, you know, you can have your feelers out there and you can be on auto notifications for different things that come onto the market. But in my experience, properties that, there's a bug on your desk. It's going for my sandwich. <laughs> um you know the the greatest opportunities. We'll have to cut to commercials. So yeah, you yeah. finish. We that need actually. a close up on the on the bug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest opportunities that present themselves are the ones that you know kind of land uh, out of nowhere. You know, out of a conversation. Um, and my wife, uh, we actually partnered uh, with uh, another couple um, who. Uh, ironically enough, were aired as episode one on Love It or List of Vancouver. Wow, uh, close to seven years ago. Um, so that was so. You're still friends with like? Are you just friends with those people through I, the show, or some some of them I stay connected to, uh, most of them I don't. Yeah. Um, but our kids happen to go to school together, so we were reconnected oh. through our kids in school. And um, anyway, so Rebecca, my wife, and Michelle we're sitting down and Michelle got an email about a house that was coming on the market. And uh, she kind of, you know, uh, said to Rebecca, "Ah, we should buy this. And Rebecca was like, yeah, let's buy this. (laughs) And then, and so we did. Uh, And it turned out it was great. I mean, it's those kinds of things. Obviously there's a few months of due diligence and lots of negotiations and then, you know, a big time period before we actually got possession. And then, the renovation happened, and we cleaned up the whole place, and it's now rented out. Actually, a few days ago, uh, the second suite was rented out. So, And it cash flows. It cash flows. I mean, I've been looking for opportunities uh, in Vancouver, which is kind of where I know. I, I believe in investing in, in what I know and, and where I feel comfortable. I think it's the safest route to go. Uh, That's not for everybody, obviously, but... Um, yeah I mean the numbers seem to work. uh we kind of kept crunching them over and over and over again, and reverse engineering from what we felt we could get uh rent wise what we needed to put in renovation wise and obviously purchase price and all the carrying costs associated with that and and uh yeah, it works in fact it's uh i i we're not quite there, but I have a plan to make it cash flow even
1: better. <laughs> So it's a
2: single-family house in the city of Vancouver.
3: Yes. It's uh, zoned RM4, so lots of potential in the future.
2: Right. And just for our listeners, RM4, multifamily zoning, so latent value in the land.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, for me, I want all kinds of options. The more options that I have for the future, the better. Um, Also, my mindset right now is hold for at least five years. Yeah. So there's no intention to sell or redevelop or really do anything uh, for the next five ish years might be seven, might be four you know life changes for us as the owners, um, and so we might get inspired to do something earlier. but I think from a financial perspective, you need to consider it as a as a five to seven year hold and and what kind of so uh,
1: you mentioned Renaults, but just thinking about this so what type of shape was this house in?
3: Well, I mean, I don't advocate this or uh, – I don't suggest everyone go down this route. But if you have experience with older homes and you understand the dynamics of them and, and you understand kind of worst-case scenario, um, you can be a lot more aggressive on the negotiation side. And um, so I think we we won on the negotiation. Um, ho- when, when, hopefully, it was a win-win uh, for everybody. Right, but – and just just <clears throat> when
1: when did you actually – purchase the property was it this spring or uh,
3: yeah we got possession uh, late June I want to say or late July and
1: you were negotiating it in like March April or
3: yeah yeah I think uh, it all kind of blends together yeah but uh, yeah it was late late spring a couple months for them to get organized and um, there were there were tenants in both of the suites at the time uh, both were uh, kind of friends of the owners so they were moving out. It was all, you know, we didn't, we didn't kick anybody yeah. out. It was all part right. of the plan beforehand. Right. That was part of the thing that we needed. Uh, obviously, you don't want to come in and displace people and kick people out. Right. Sure. Um, but this was a situation that, that happened to work out that way. And that was a deal breaker for us. You know, we would have walked away from the deal. Yeah.
2: Right. I feel like that was almost kind of the bottom of this year too, it, so far. Like, I feel like we're picking up the last couple months and, uh, and the spring of this you year would have really been, fell flat. You would have been probably negotiating that deal if if things if the trend continues,
1: you might have found the bottom there.
3: I don't know how I end up doing this, <laughs> and and I, I don't. I think that if you do it for long enough, like I've been doing this for over fifteen years, yeah, um, you 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 intrinsically get a sense of where things are at. You and you talk to people like. Just, just talking to people all the time right. and just kind of like gleaning what, where they're at, what are they feeling. And because the market is driven by so many different factors, but a lot of it is emotion. Totally. And, uh, and as confidence grows, you can start to see it. The people who aren't investing or buying on a regular basis start to get more and more interested. And you know when the, the market is in full swing, everyone's doing it. Um, you know it 's kind of like buying stocks, which I am pathetic at i can 't get that right at all um you know when when everyone 's buying it or everyone 's talking about it, chances are you know you may have missed <laughs> you missed <the> week. It. <laughs> um but the location I think is critical as well you know we we strategically looked for something uh that in an area that we felt was going to have the biggest swing so potentially you know and and we don't know the answers to this. I mean, part of it is a guessing game. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're actually not too far from where we are right now. Um, so can, are you in Mount Pleasant? So we're, 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 live, <laughs> we're live at the bento box. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. And you guys are, we're, we're, you're west of Maine. Can we're you say west, that?
3: We're west of Maine. Yeah.
1: By yeah. about one block. <laughs> <laughs> can you say that? Which hundred block are you in? Um, These guys are good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lie detector. <laughs>
3: They're going to crash. Yeah, Um, the best
2: thing about being live at the Bento Box, though, is the fact that we're kind of in the epicenter of we feel like where people are investing, where people are living, operating. Uh, We've met you in this area for lunch, and we know you operate around here. Like you spend a lot of time. Yeah. So yeah, we agree. So west of
3: Maine, that's exciting. West of Maine. It's, it's a great area. I think it's depressed more than anywhere – but not more than anywhere else, but it, <coughs> it came down. It did come down. like yeah. everywhere else. Yeah. But I think the bounce back in this area is going to be stronger than some of the traditional areas that people have focused on in the past. So the west side of Vancouver, the deep west side, my opinion is that it's not going to bounce back in the same way that we will see pockets like the Main Street Corridor – Fraser, some of those, some of those areas in Vancouver. So
2: so you're taking west of Maine over Kerisdale?
3: Oh, every day. Awesome. Interesting stuff. West
2: of Maine over Kitts?
3: Yeah. I mean, listen, Kitts is a great neighborhood. I used to live there. It's where I bought my first place. Um, I I love it down there. I just think that it doesn't have a lot of capacity to grow right now, other than the Skytrain, you know, going out to you Broadway line. The Broadway line, but... Other than that, I mean, Kitsilano is is an awesome spot. It's great geographically. It's problematic from a traffic perspective and I don't like that. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. it's hard to get in and out of. I find that as you get a little bit closer to Main Street and Canby, there's a few more options in terms of how people can get around. Yeah, right. And and Kits is just more established. So it's 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 already done its thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll it'll do another thing down the road, but sure. I think that's a longer longer horizon.
1: So yeah, and it's funny like a lot of the people that would have 5, 10, 15 years ago been looking deeper uh, deep west side say. Yep. Like I feel like everybody I'm talking to is looking are, is looking between Camby that would have been looking in those areas is looking between Camby and Maine. Yeah. Like that's kind of the the pocket. It's the golden the golden pocket. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it's funny I always think back to I
1: don't to even like- know what that
3: means. <laughs> the golden pocket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well Rise... trademark that Rise yeah, alliance yeah. remember they they that was like part of their branding when they launched the independent was that i think it was like the center of the city has shifted east yeah. and it's it's funny though like i mean it's it i mean by the time they were saying that it had already well shifted yeah. east so for, but you know yeah it, it, it makes sense right like everybody everybody is aware of that now that that it's it's no longer the west side right the stigma's gone One hundred percent.
3: I, I, you know, I've been talking about this for years and, and I started off talking about real estate to my community, which was the community of actors and theater people and television people in Vancouver. And, and that's where it kind of grew from. And, um, I've always believed and I, and I think it holds true now is, you know, go to any city and look where the artists are living. Now, you know, it's, it's not great that they get displaced, but, the artistic community creates a cool factor that other people want to be around. And then people with money want to be in that area. We've seen it time and time again yeah. in Vancouver and, and any other major city. And so they move in, and all of a sudden you start to see that gentrification, that, that money coming in, people renovating houses, um, cool coffee shops coming in, bars, restaurants, um, you know, different shops, all, all the kind of commercial side, which tends to – be on the leading edge, uh, of indicating mm-hmm. where kind of that next trend is going to be. And, and the, the main corridor, I think it's, we've already seen it. Like, yeah. you know, that it's, we're not, yeah. we're not it's not a spoiler no. to anybody. No, it's
1: a, in fact, it's almost starting to feel a bit like Yaletown in my mind. <laughs> compared it is. To, yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. I mean,
2: well, it's funny. Cause even on the macro level, like I was talking to someone the other day that was saying that New York is, is, nowhere near as cool as it used to be but like a city like Mexico City is really cool because artists can afford to live there exactly and and it's funny like just pulling back and thinking about certain cities in the world that are are doing really well and because of affordability and artists and new restaurants and affordable commercial space yep. and then you take it down to the micro level and it and it makes sense in terms of sub communities or
3: sub areas right i mean uh, you go into a lot of communities in this city even, and it's kind of dead and boring, and it's lost a sense of kind of soul and vibrancy to it. So it's critically important to make sure that in all of our neighborhoods that we have that diversity, not just diversity in terms of different uh, you know people it's it's socioeconomical yeah. ranges it's it's ages, it's families and 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 this leads back to the you know the last conversation that we had, you know, and my mantra these days is about you know what are we building? how are we keeping families in the urban center? It's not for everybody, I get it, but yeah. But a lot of people want to stay in in our urban environment, and they don't feel like it's a viable option. So we got we got to fix that problem. We've got it, to continue to attack it.
2: This is going back to right-sizing, if yeah, I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and can you just talk, just for people that didn't hear the last show, Sure. can you kind of give us just a working definition of and, and right-sizing? Then, and then we want to, I want to get back to this in, the investment, because I
1: yeah. feel like right. we've got to- The negotiation. Yeah,
3: we'll They're leave off, and, and then we'll come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but- that's a that's the beautiful thing about real estate, right? Like it's it's the nuts and bolts of things, which you've got to have a handle on if you're going to play the game. Yeah. But you also have to understand what's going on kind of big picture wise, because those are the things that ultimately determine where the market's going, where the viability of different investments are going to be. So right. um, the, the theory behind right-sizing is to readdress the space that we're living in. Um, And as affordability becomes a bigger and bigger issue, I mean, it's the the hottest conversation across Canada, really. I mean, it's how are people affording to live in our cities? And we have, you know, close to 90% of our population lives in the major cities in Canada. So we need to redefine that bigger is better model and start to build efficient spaces that are more cost effective Uh, for people to live in, and therefore that they can stay in the city. So instead of building that 3,000-square-foot house with a bunch of rooms that nobody uses— why don't we look at 1,200 to 1500, square feet in a different way and see if we can have families live in that? And then the trickle down effect from that is is huge. Yeah, you know starting financially, but also going from a community standpoint, um, you know transportation, from a, um, a quality standpoint, we start building things better. We start, you know, the same amount of money into a smaller space, creates a better space than the big house uh, from an environmental standpoint, which is, um, you know, obviously going to become a bigger and bigger conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So it's a a huge topic. Yeah. And, And the housing industry is way behind the curve. You know, we address it in the food industry; everyone's talking about it. We address it in the in the car industry; everyone's talking about it. But where are we at in the conversation with housing? Right, nowhere, or it, very, very yeah. little, very yeah. little.
1: And and luckily, it seems to be. And we've had some people on recently that have that are kind of echoing your sentiments. It seems like it's it's kind of there's a have No idea. Join <laughs> the masses. <laughs> where am I? And who are you guys? <laughs> But one thing, I mean, it, it is worth pointing out, and this is something that, uh, well, I think we have similar age kids and you have a baby, but uh, there's the general strike uh, this Friday. I you know. know the, the, I mean, the environmental sure. uh, catastrophe
3: that's coming is is something that I lie awake thinking about at night at well, least. Well, it's terrifying. So yeah, it's terrifying. It is terrifying, uh, and... and- and we we have to be proactive about it, and clearly we haven't been. Yeah, uh, you know, it's embarrassing to say that this is the first time that I've actually taken my bike and driven or rode to something like yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always have my truck, and the only reason that I didn't take it today is because it wasn't there. Rebecca has it, so I was kind of for- I forced myself into it. Um,
1: you know, and I've been talking about starting biking for at least two years.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. It's hard to you, change. You haven't it. even
2: talked about it yet. I'm. I'm. That's next year. That's my goal <laughs> right. cool for next so,
3: year. So, so, so the the deal is, is that you need to create something where your life is better because of the choice of you know because of the choice that you make, as opposed to it being a sacrifice. And that's the whole thing about redesigning our homes and this idea around right sizing is. What can we do so that we actually have a greater experience of life? Our lifestyle is better, our happiness is better, not worse. And I think that we just ignore the things that we carry these massive burdens of these mortgages and we live way out in the suburbs and we have to commute, and the impact that all of those things have on our you know on ourselves and our family and our relationships and our kids it's it's massive,
2: yeah
1: yeah, I feel like time is just the thing, eh like. I,
3: but I think yeah. you're, I think
2: you're right though that there's this almost like this uh, it's, there's these really loud rumblings in this movement where like we've had Nathan Louster on talking about the death of the single family home. We just recently right. had Happy Charles City. Montgomery on talking about Happy City. Happy yeah. City. Right. Um, this idea that like people are recognizing that what they choose to buy and where they choose to live has a huge impact on their happiness their 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 lifestyle, right, the amount of time that they have, the amount of right. energy that they have, and then also of course your carbon footprint and and uh, how how you're working within the environment right
3: yeah so. and we stumbled upon this really from kind of a grassroots perspective it wasn't a it wasn't a you know sitting in a room. Uh, philosophically thinking about what we can do, you know, this was a this was in reaction to our children, and uh, we started to kind of like peel back this idea, and we've been on this journey for about three years. Um, so, anyway, I mean, we we've covered this off before, yeah, but yeah. the conversation needs to keep happening, totally. Um, but but one and thing hopefully that, inspire people to just relook at it, right?
1: Totally. And and one thing that I'm kind of interested in is so so you've been kind of on this journey we've talked about it on the show since we've had you on before you've bought another investment property it sounds like um there was a lot of consideration strategically like this kind of macro level how people are are changing the way they live how the, where the country's going where the environment's going did that actually figure into
3: your to why this property made sense absolutely Yeah, from a location standpoint, you can walk to everything. You can ride your bike. The SkyTrain is nearby. You've got everything, all the amenities surround you. Um, So, you know, it's literally on the bike route i giving away the street now, but, uh, <laughs> Waiting for well, that. there's, there's, there's going to be more, a but... pilgrimage, <laughs> yeah. the three people watching this, <laughs> um, Come on. uh, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, the zoning I think is huge They're in this little pocket, there's, uh, five houses, one, two, three. I know three. exactly where there, it is. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's four houses, four mm-hmm. houses, I mm-hmm. believe. So I think that there's um, an exciting opportunity right. to get creative with a heritage home. Uh, you know, these four heritage homes and potentially, you know, come up with something uh, progressive that we could develop. We wouldn't be the only ones doing it, but, you know, that we could ultimately showcase that, you know, we might be able to riff off of the, you know, how we've been doing things in the past. Mm -hmm. So all of that plays into it. I also think that if you're a buy and hold real estate investor, which I am um, long-term, that you've got to think about where we're going. Uh, and it's you know I'm not in it to to make a quick buck, um, you know this is this is legacy, you know this is retirement fund yeah. and and my kids' inheritance. You know I'm I'm self employed, so I don't get a pension or right. anything like that.
2: In, in that same vein, can you talk a little bit about pulling the trigger in an uncertain market?
3: Well, I think you have to believe in the future of Vancouver, um, and. You know, you can get distracted by all kinds of different elements that are scary, for sure. But for me, I believe in the basic fundamental of supply and demand. Are people going to want to live here uh, in the future? And are more and more people going to move here? Mm -hmm. And I think for a number of reasons, the answer is yes. Um, And in that case, we have a housing shortage. We've seen it. We're experiencing it. Um, You put something up for rent, you get inundated with people. So those elements are the ones to watch. The rest of it, you know, interest rates, I mean, those things are all out of your control. You have to be aware of them, but if you believe in the future of great neighborhoods um, and investing in great product that has multiple options to it, then I believe you can't go wrong.
1: So... Maybe just, and, and I, again, I feel like there's still like 10 things to talk about about this, okay. but the partnership. So you, you, yeah. you meet these guys on, on your yeah. show. Yeah. They go, you're at your, you're at your kid's school and, and, uh, there's like, Hey, maybe we should buy this. Like, how did you structure that? Did you guys go to the lawyer? Like what how, was there?
3: We did. At- and I'll be honest with you. So we have a partnership agreement, which we have not signed. It's in our inboxes <laughs> and we just haven't dealt with it. Yeah. Um, it was something that we talked about. We, I, I think the most important thing, and and you know, full disclosure, I'm not I'm not a big partnership guy, so I haven't done a ton of these before. Really, this is the first one. Um, you know, I partnered with my dad and, and you know, some family, that kind of thing. But outside of that, um, I think like minded philosophy and work ethic are the two elements that I was looking for, and um, trust. You know, do you trust these people? Um, You know, we we have a relationship with them kind of through our kids. We would let, you know, our kids go over and play, you know, like those types of elements. Uh, We also kept everything very professional. Um, Everything is documented, um, you know, financially. We tried to keep an equity in in, um, people's contribution to the process. You know, how much sweat equity are we putting into it? Um, and and our end game is the same, so we we have um, a similar goal. Um, and I think that those, I think the end game needs to be you got to be aligned one hundred percent. Yeah, you can't be like, well, I think we should flip it. And no, I think we you know you need to hash that out at the beginning and make sure that the the game that you're going to play with this piece of property, you know, we're, we're all we all agree to the rules, right? Um, you know. I, I don't know what what might change in the future, but it's been, I think, it's been successful. You might have to ask them. I think it's been successful uh, thus on, far. They're on next week. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Todd is the worst. Uh, you know, next. but I, I, I'll tell Todd's,
2: you. Todd's partners.
1: Here, here's the
3: thing. Full disclosure as well. Like, um, I phoned them yesterday when we had this conversation about having this conversation. Right. I phoned them and I said, hey, listen, are you cool if I talk about this? And they're like, Absolutely. But it's those tight ty- it's that level of communication. Everything, every you know, a group text, every decision, you know, is great. And and I will say that on the positive side, I, I've steered away from it because um, I didn't want to carve the numbers up, I, and I wanted to be the sole decision maker. Yeah. Um. And I felt very passionate about that. What I will say, having gone through it, oh my goodness, it is so great. I, I loved this partnership thus far. Number one, you don't have to make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do all the work. You get to carve it up, and um, it's awesome. And and you know, working in a bubble by yourself is tricky. You know, it's you 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 sometimes don't come up with the best the best solutions. Right, and yeah. and. The, the myth that people buy into is that there is a right and wrong way to do things in the world of real estate, well, in life in general. But if we're looking <coughs> at houses, renovations, for example, there is no right and wrong way. I mean, there's a right and wrong way to wire and you know plumbing and stuff like that. But when it comes to creative decision making, there's no right answer. So it does take a team and sometimes someone has a better idea than you have. Or you can riff off of it and you can figure out something. And, and we did a lot of talking. Clearly, I like to talk, but I think that that, you know, that process you know, drills down yeah. into, hopefully, as good a decision as you can possibly make, and there's a lot of money on the line.
2: Well, this is it. And I mean, you were actually talking about it at the beginning of the conversation, but this idea of how much real estate involves just constantly talking to people. Yeah, And and working out ideas and hearing other people's perspectives about the market, the area, how they would approach a certain investment or a certain property. And I mean, I think that's important. And I, I always, we've had a ton of developers and investors, and a lot of it is is a lot of the deals that they find are just through communicating yeah. or just talking to people on a regular basis. I found a, a house through talking to a woman at the coffee shop or whatever. She knew yeah. her neighbor was selling. Like, it's that kind of uh, level of of. Communication that it often takes, right? Absolutely. And then if you have that in your team as like a soundboard,
3: it's uh, it's invaluable. And you know, success more and more I realize is is a function of the people that you surround yourself with, um, and and having a team. I used to think a team was like, oh, you got to have a great realtor and a mortgage broker, and okay, like if if you're doing this and you don't know that you need that. It's the first step. Yeah, I mean, maybe you need to change gears. For example, I'm I'm licensed. I did not negotiate this deal. I felt very strongly that I did not want to negotiate this deal. You know, not just from a liability standpoint, but also because we're in partnership. Yeah, and we, I wanted, I didn't want my agenda to overpower anyone else's.
1: Yeah, and you know what I'll say, just from.
3: And what, by the way, I always use a realtor,
1: yeah, well, one of the biggest mm-hmm. mistakes I think I've made uh is when I bought my house, I negotiated it myself,
2: and uh, I offered to do it for half my commission, yeah, <laughs> 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 but I just no <laughs>
1: I'm just a control freak. Yeah. And I also like the full commission. Yeah. But what happened, I found, was there's that one layer of sep- – there's a degree of separation that is so useful in a negotiation that is an obvious point. But uh, I-, I was literally, like, sitting at the – I ended up in the, the kitchen of somebody's house yeah. negotiating on the fly where, you know, in a pretty high-pressure situation where in hindsight – And you're emotionally invested. To- totally. Yeah. and And I – I want it to be like, where's the, where's I need somebody in, in in between me and them right now. Yeah. That's um, why actors have agents too. Yeah. Right. I mean,
3: how, you, you, I, I, it's a rare person who can actually manage that process yeah. and be, um, you know, not get emotionally tied up in the situation. Right. And it's emotional. Yeah. I, like, for people to, to say that they get involved in this and then they, you know, oh, I can, I, I'm not going to get swayed no, you need to be emotionally invested in this in order to pull the trigger. Right. That's why you need that person or multiple people to filter information yeah. for you so that you can use them as a sounding board. But so that's a given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going to invest and renovate, you got to have a team of people around you that you trust. So your plumber, your electrician, some sort of contractor, a roofing person, you know, drainage Uh, flooring, painter, uh, like everything. Mm -hmm. You need to have that Rolodex of people that you can call and that they will show up and that you trust not only their work, but the price that they're going to charge you. Um, And so many people get involved in this and they're, they're lost. And even if you've been doing it for years, those people come and go. You've got to try new people. Those people are away, unavailable. I mean, it... It's not for the faint of heart. Right. It is not, it's it's not an easy journey.
1: No. no. At all.
3: Well, and, and
1: maybe we can talk a little bit about um, that renovation process, but but more from, so there's four people involved. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how you made the choices you did for the amount of money you put into it, the types of renovations you did, uh, and and thinking about the end result, both of tenants wanting to be there, tenants being happy there, tenants wanting to stay there, but also it's going to make money in the end because obviously at the end of the day,
3: it's an investment. Can you talk about that process a little bit? So we started off with a uh, an even split agreement. So 50-50, we're going to contribute time, energy, and money as evenly as possible. Um, obviously, the money part is an easier formula to get right sure. because you know that that's a that's a uh, a tangible thing whereas time and effort are different and and everyone brings different skill sets and and uh we've we both have young kids so we got to manage that time so while someone might be taking the kids to a summer program and someone else is renovating both of those are contributing to the process um i think communication we've touched on was was a huge deal so any decision uh we would just we would always text each other if someone wasn't there. So I'm going to pick up X product. I think we should go with and and a lot of times we would defer the the thing that um, the thing that we were really focused on was moving fast. So getting from the point of possession to rented was critically important. Mm -hmm. Any month that we were not rented was a huge deal. There's no point in fussing over, you know, an extra $300 for, you know, a different tile and shopping around that's going to take three days when you burn, you know, $4,000, $5,000 of potential rent in Mm -hmm. a month. It takes a long time to make that up. And I think that a lot of landlords or, or junior investors forget the fact that, you know, if you need to take 100 or $200 off your rent to get a great renter and rent it out quickly, it's way more important to do that than sit back and have it sit empty for a month. I do not understand yeah. how people can rationalize a day when it's not rented. It's, it's unforgivable in my yeah. book. Anyways, I'm, I'm getting off topic. So the decision-making process, I think, like-minded people... We deferred to who, you know, and we trusted each other. So, uh, you know, if someone went out and bought mirrors and light fixtures, great. By, by 10 of them, we'll return what we need to and we'll all stand there and be like, oh, yeah, that one's great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And we came up with ideas that – um that and and resources that I wouldn't have come up with. So our partners have a Land Assembly house that is being taken out. So we went in there and we took out two IKEA kitchens. Um, so we just disassembled them. We put them in the truck. We brought them over. We made them fit into the new kitchens, and uh, we brought the appliances. So that was a that was a huge win. Um, you know, others brought resources of different people that we could leverage relationships and stuff like that.
2: Right, and we should say. Ikea kitchens are the only Ikea product that can be disassembled and put back together.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't disassemble the boxes. We actually just, we actually kept the boxes right. together. We should right. say that. Why? We should because, say.
1: Cause, because cause I'm not sure
2: why. I'm like, because Matt has disassembled Ikea <laughs> oh, in the past. Oh, oh, yeah, I did. I uh, yeah, did. With a bottle of scotch. Yeah. Well, that yeah, story, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, tell it, we'll save it for another
1: time. Oh, yeah. Right. I forgot this about that good. whole disassembly. Yeah. Didn't go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still owe me $400. Yeah, knocked the wheels off. Can't put the wheels back on that one. Yeah. That was a (laughs) bit of a disaster.
3: (laughs) It's a fine balance of being um, conscious of money all the time. It's a business. So you need to be making sure that you are um, saving as much as possible while not tipping over into that part where it ends up being cheap. Yeah. Um, So uh, clean and safe are the two things that have to be there. Yeah. And then and then you're looking for practicality, longevity, and cost effectiveness. Right. Um, you know, top trends, no one cares. <laughs> Renters don't care about that, yeah, right. generally speaking. Yeah. Um, you know, they want a space that feels like home. They want a space that um, is clean and safe. bright and safe. Yeah. Right. You know, those are the elements. Then, right. and, and that function well. So... Um, it's, it's amazing. So all at the same time, we had a tenant leave, uh, we have a studio downtown. So we went through the rental process, not only, so we, I, I, you know, anecdotally, we had a two bedroom, uh, two bedroom, these at the house, there's two units, a three bedroom unit and a two bedroom unit. That's how we designed it. Uh, just cause of the layout, we didn't want to move any Was walls. it,
1: was it three and two when you bought
3: it was there was one person living, I think, in each unit. So and you couldn't even see the floor. Like there was so much stuff in that house, it was unbelievable. Um, so it was obviously not at its highest and best use. Yeah. Um, we we did keep the layout, um, but we just reworked it, cleaned it up, made it safe, um, and uh, and that's kind of how it worked out. we And I actually felt that the main floor, two bedroom uh, plus den, laundry room, all that kind of good stuff was was the gem. I thought that was going to garner the highest rent because the three bedroom unit upstairs doesn't have a living room. Just the way, it used yeah. to be a boarding house. Yeah. So it was carved up into these three bedrooms, kitchen, couple of bathrooms. Right. And, uh, and I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. Was, are people going to, we were, Inundated with people for the three bedroom, really, and we struggled to rent the two bedroom.
1: Was the was uh. the three bedroom the type of people that uh, were looking for it? Was it like families, or was it three no.
3: roommates? Three roommates, yeah. And it was unbelievable. Just makes, I bet
1: the so you, uh, the uh, financial uh, viability of that, right, is, right. is the attractiveness. one hundred percent. So where
3: else can you live in a cool house in a great neighborhood for a thousand bucks a month? Yeah. You know, that, that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a couple things that we like to do is include utilities and internet. Just make it easy for people. Yeah. Uh, not only on the negotiation side, we haven't really even talked about the negotiation, but you know, keeping it easy for the seller if you're the buyer, making it as easy for them as possible, um, understanding their motivations, and then making it easy and comfortable for the tenants as well uh, is is great. You know, people don't like to leave easy. Yeah, um, and, and those little perks, the little things make the difference to people. It's not the big things.
2: Can you, can you talk just quickly about your your process of, of
3: speaking to tenants and qualifying tenants? Yeah. Um, I think it's an absolute joke what people make tenants, you know, ho- hoops they make them jump through. I don't understand it. Uh, I have to meet everybody in person. That's a deal breaker. Uh, and I interview everybody. Like that's this. You cannot get a feel for who someone is without talking to them and getting to know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. You are in partnership with them. So to have that separation and not be in relationship with them is a big mistake, in my opinion. Obviously, there are agencies out there who do this for people, and I get it, but it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, (laughs) I have never done, uh, like I've never called a bank like I don't know why people ask for banking information. Maybe someone can tell me. But phoning a bank to check if they have a checking account there is asinine. It's a waste of time. You know, we we ask for three references, yeah. and that's it. So
1: you don't Text do me. You don't do three references. You don't do criminal checks. No. You don't do credit no. rating.
3: No. Why? What are you going to find? One of my best. Friends? That was a
1: rhetorical question. Yeah,
3: No, but seriously, I mean, one of my best friends has a criminal record. Yeah. He's the greatest, one of the greatest people I know. Uh, I just just don't know what you're going to find in that process that is going to uh, change your opinion. Um, If you are so nervous about that person that you need to do all of that, chances are it's the wrong person. And if you don't have choice... Then you've probably priced it too high. You want choice. You want, yeah, totally. you want, like, you know, first of all, have everyone come at the same time. You want to create a little sense of urgency about this. Have everyone come at the same time if possible. Um, get to know these people, learn a little bit about them, phone some references. That's it.
2: A good property manager that we know says if you don't get four calls on the first day, once you post, you're too high.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And well, and I think just thinking of your four, success. I think that's
3: low. I think right now, I mean, the rental market has cooled off a little bit, but it, you know, well,
2: the, I think more so the point that if you're if you're fishing for a high price and then you get a tenant that uh, yeah. it, you know creates problems for you, well, it, it's, you got to take responsibility in that. I think one hundred percent. But it, that that price point, like you're
1: saying, around the thousand dollars, I have a, a guy on my street just rented. He has a studio in his garden-level studio, and mm-hmm. I think he put it on at $1,100. That price point, he said he had 60 people through like within 48 hours and, you know, 15 applications. I think that's the hottest. I, Anybody I, yeah. around
2: 1000 bucks right now, I think, is you can... I think there's a problem in undervaluing something as well because creating, I mean, you put 60 people in a situation where like, you know, the competing, like I've seen property managers do that, with, com- that one. with competition and it, he wasn't, this uh, was actually this tactic. guy in his defense. Didn't didn't know. Had, well. had, he couldn't even well, believe the and, response. And
3: I'll defend this guy too. <laughs> yeah. So I have a studio apartment downtown. It's 418 square feet Yeah, and uh, no parking. So, at the beginning, like years ago, I always thought, oh, this is gonna be problematic. Now, first of all, that's a non issue. That's your sandwich asking to be eaten. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bing we bung. gotta go to commercial. Bing <laughs> Bong. Um, so I went online. So the way that I try and determine a price if I haven't, if I've had a tenant in there for years, is go on Craigslist. So I go on Craigslist and I just type in the criteria of that, like what someone would be looking for, and see what comes up. And so I did that, and I was like, wow. There was, I think I actually listed as the second least expensive studio apartment in all of Yaletown. And, uh, and I thought it was high. My instinct was it was high. Yeah. And I got inundated with people. Do you use Padmapper?
2: I find, I find PadMapper is nope. really good. It, it's just yeah, that's a it point. kind of takes all the different sites like Kijiji, Craigslist. It mashes it all together. It gives you averages for an area, hmm. and it's got a mapping system. It's it's I think a little bit more analytical than some of the. But I don't think the
1: only thing about PadMapper is is that still Craigslist is like you'll see 100 percent of what's out there. PadMapper, I think it's like I feel like you have to actually. I'm so old school. too. No,
2: no, really? I, it it no. You'll see Craigslist. Yeah. Huh. Correct me if I'm wrong, YouTube you
3: commenters. May be, you may be wrong. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think oh, if you make a mistake anywhere publicly, you'll hear about it, yeah. um, which is why I don't hear things. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm old school. Like I'm old school when it comes to interviewing people to be tenants. I'm old school when it comes to the renovation process. Yeah. Um, the other, just getting back to kind of that partnership and renovation side of things, um, is always be there. And it's hard. I get it. But- um, you know, I don't have any sub trade work on any property that I have without me being there. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Really? Wow.
2: Wait, yep. hang on a second here. So, so you'll I spend <laughs> like I'm just I'm trying to understand because yep. you're a busy guy. Yep. Um, how do you how do you beat like? Because I'm I'm just thinking of like you've done extensive renovations like open up the walls all the electrical plumbing basically rebuilds. Yep. And you're there consistently yep. or are you just 100 checking in daily or are nope. you on site? I'm on site. And you are you are you on the tools with them or are you just I, hanging around?
3: I used to be on the tools all the time. Yeah. And oh no, I'm I'm never hanging around. Okay. See the beautiful thing about real estate for me the way that I do it is that if I have a day that someone else isn't paying me I'll hire myself. Yeah, and um, I would rather have that flexibility where I can pay myself to do something um, and control the process and be there at the same time. I mean, it's a win-win. I don't. I don't. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to get their hands dirty, right. but. If you're going to invest in and and renovate, so to try to make a property more valuable or to take something that is less functional and make it more functional, highest and best use, if that's your game, then you need to get your hands dirty.
2: So give us an example of something you're doing on site. Well, like you're maybe painting or you're well, cleaning I'll, I'll, I'll or will give you. A, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a
3: really specific example. So we um, tied into uh, the existing Um, drain for the washer and dryer. And it didn't get tested. And there's a bit of a backstory there. So we hired a plumber that we didn't know because my plumber was out of the country. And not to throw him under the bus, but they didn't test that drain.
1: Are you going to name names?
3: No. (laughs) Um, They didn't test the drain. But before the tenants moved in, we hooked up the washing machine. And while we were working on another project... We turned it on. We ran the cycle yeah. and saw some water. So we turned it off. Tried a f- couple of things. Next thing we knew, the water was spraying out of the drain pipe all o- in the spin cycle. And there's a lot of pressure that comes out of that yeah. washing machine. There's water everywhere. Wow. Now we're two days before the tenants move in and we have a flood. So we're cl- madly cleaning up. Now we've got to troubleshoot this before they move in. We didn't quite make it. We, we got their washing machine working the day after they moved in. So it was a little sacrifice. Again, be in communication with the people, no surprises, tell them tell them everything. Yeah. So my plumber came to fix the problem. Now, we're troubleshooting together. Um, he's obviously more experienced than I am, but I've been doing this for a long time, and I understand how things work. Okay, there's, again, multiple ways to solve the problem. We cut... So while he is going to get uh, some material that might address the problem. We're going to get a couple of different things. I open up the access panel, which I've bought. So now we can see in for later on and going down into the basement and opening up the floor so that we can tie in and cut the cast so that we can take out the clogged part. We've already tried to snake it the day before. So that's not possible. So while he's doing now, he's billing out at whatever he is, you know, plumber, Eighty bucks an hour, ninety bucks an hour, whatever it is, somewhere between sixty and one hundred and fifty, probably. I'm actually keeping the process moving quickly. It's all about moving fast. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with that. So if I can get in there and open up that the floor uh, with my sawzall while he's getting parts, why am I going to sit around? That's doesn't make any sense to me. Um, The other thing is is that I'm controlling the decision-making process as we're going along. So we can do it A or B. I choose A. Great. We're going to do that based on the information that I have. That way I'm fully responsible for anything that goes wrong, but also I can keep that process moving fast. And any contractor will have multiple options as they're moving through a job. And I guarantee you, if you walk in, you will be upset with the choices that they've made. Not because they're wrong. They're just not the choices that you would have made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, it's, it's usually a...
3: And a, how do you describe, like, a painter? How do you describe what needs to be touched up for that final pass-through? You mm-hmm. can't. You're going to stick green tape everywhere. They didn't see a piece of green tape. Like, it doesn't matter how diligent you are about making notes, talking it through, walking it through. You know, you walk through with a drywaller. You know, the guy that you walk through the project with, remember, he's not the drywaller. He's going to send a crew. Mm-hmm. He might show up and say, hey, this needs to be done here. Now it's two degrees of separation. Then he's left alone. Going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So what about when you trust people and you've been working with them for years? My plumber. I've been working with him for years, and I'm right beside him. And, and I'm not holding his hand. I'm not trying to, like, micromanage. Right, yeah. Um, I, I defer to his expertise but while he's doing that, I can do something else that needs to be done. And if a decision needs to be made, then I can make it right then.
2: So there's, there's the value of just being in the trenches with him and, and communicating constantly. I don't so
3: that- know why people invest in houses if they don't love houses and they don't understand how they work. Right. You need to understand that how a home runs. Right, it, right. Wh- you know, where's the water shut off? Do you know that? You know, like so. I
2: guess the the flip side of that would be somebody if they're trying to scale, like if they're building multiple yeah. homes, then and they, that's my problem. they can't be there. And that's. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I mean I there are I, other we've... formulas
3: to do this. Yeah, the way that I do it um, has been successful for me. Right, and um, I don't scale partially because I like to control, but I also love the process. Yeah, I never started to get into real estate because I wanted it to be a business. I still don't. Mm-hmm. I just love, I love renovations. I love houses. I love the discussion.
1: You know what we've never heard on the show in the uh, three or four years? Somebody say, I love houses, which is kind of actually just a it's, that's funny an incredible, but an incredible thing to say, like who gets into this business if you don't
3: love houses? No, but and I mean, think it, that it's totally true. No, it makes I sense. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Like people don't understand that the renovation process or, or the investing process is a lot of time and effort and sweat and blood and slice my finger, you know, like there's, sure. you know, it's, it's, it's a tough job. It's not. I, I I said it before. You're probably going to edit out the first one, but it's not for the faint of heart. Right. You. you it's it's a high stakes game. Well,
2: we're going to keep both of those. But what? what <laughs> wait, wait, wait.
3: I got one more question about this renovation. Well, I,
2: the only thing I was going to say just quickly before you get to your question is, I I think that's the thing. It's like you talk to people that are really in the cars, like like oh, women and yeah. men that are really in the cars. Yeah. It, I think if you're really a real estate fanatic, you're almost that way about houses, right? What? Like or condos. It's yes. like you're like. Uh, you want yes. it, like, I know the houses in the city that I'm like, man, I love that house, you know? like Totally. And it's, it's because I'm, and when we're walking the neighborhoods, we're looking at the houses the way that I'm sure a car guy looks at like a, a Porsche or whatever, right?
3: Yeah. And, and drools on about it or whatever. We're doing that with houses. And they don't drool about it because of the paint color. Sure. You know, they're interested in the dynamics that make that car yeah. that car. Right.
1: <laughs> well, you listen to, I don't know if you've ever watched the... Uh, not to go on to a car thing, but the Jerry Seinfeld show, when he describes those cars at the start, it's like... comedians in cars getting coffee. It seems so like... uh,
2: It's a great show. It doesn't resonate with me. It
1: doesn't resonate at all with me. He'll describe this (laughs) Rolls-Royce for about five minutes, and you're like, (laughs) who cares? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Get to the the crux. He
3: loves it. And I would suggest that people do not get into the game of renovating, or, or real estate investing, and especially on the renovation side, if... If they don't love it, yeah. you, gotta yeah. love it. Yeah. you gotta love it. You gotta love this game, yeah. or it will beat you down. <laughs> it Seriously. will beat
2: you down because it's, it's yeah, it's like you're learning how to skate and you're moving into triple A hockey or something, right? Because the people out there working.
3: <laughs> Siri is <laughs> listening to you. Just, hey Siri.
2: I did say, hey Siri at the beginning of that. I did. Oh, did you really? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, though, TT. <laughs> Well, Siri was, You're exactly Siri right. Siri was listening, though. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Siri's always listening. At yeah. the end of this, we're going to have just houses showing up on our Instagrams. And <laughs> so, so but,
1: but one thing that you said right at the beginning that I just want to go back to, and maybe this is the final thing on the, on the renovation front. Sure. Um, but I'm glad to hear you've got both places rented. Uh, it sounds like
3: for The goal a, was September 1st yeah. for both, both places. Yeah. And uh, we, we got September 1st and September 15th.
1: Yeah. So, right.
3: but mostly because of our timeline, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't uh, because of the market.
1: Right on. So, you said you have bigger ideas for cash flow, like yeah. you're making more changes to this house. I just want to hear that. Like, what is or, the? what's well, the- are
2: we disclosing? What that is on on here? Or? Wait, why is it a secret?
3: I think I. I don't think it's. Well, one of them is storage. So yeah. we're obsessed with storage as a culture, which is counterintuitive. Yeah. But. Um, but we, we need places for the stuff that we don't use. Mm -hmm. So super logical and smart. I know. But, uh, so provide that space. We got a bike there. (laughs) Right. Um, so in the basement, we don't, we don't want to, uh, put accommodation down there and go through all of that hassle and, you know, put in a sump and all, you know, from a plumbing perspective, it's a nightmare and, you know, ceiling height and all that kind of stuff. So what are you gonna do with that space? So you want to clean it up. Make it dry, safe, warm. Rent it out as storage. I bet you we will get equivalent in storage as we would to a, or pretty darn close to us to putting a suite in there. To putting a suite in there, and the cost is going to be a fraction. Yeah. Right. So
1: you're you're putting. So if I understand, you have a two bedroom on the main level. Yep. You got a three bed upstairs. Yep. And you're going to have storage facility in the basement
0: yep
2: that's great and you know what the other thing is is with the detached market too is renting out the garage which a lot of people don't do and don't factor into their number
3: crunching i have another house and it has a two-car garage and the previous owner had a a wall in between just a two by four frame wall in between and there was two different garage doors and um i rent out both sides yeah
2: Yeah, and I I mean, we we had a there was a a house that we had that was an investor that owned it, and he was renting it down the street to a guy who had a couple cars, yeah, like old cars.
3: Yeah, he was getting
2: astronomical Mm. rent for it, like it was crazy. uh, And the other
3: thing is, don't like it's not like you are going to go out and post this on Craigslist and be like, oh, I got a bunch of random people coming and going. Like, I am not running a storage facility. Yeah, it is ideally the tenants first, secondly the neighbors. Maybe me, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be, uh, you know, it's going to be a tight circle of people. Um, We're not just, you know, having people come and go. We're not in that business. Yeah. But um, anyways, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to maximize the potential of rent um, that they don't. That they don't do.
1: That was way more interesting than the dishwasher I was expecting. So great, great. <laughs> paint color, oh <laughs> paint! I hate paint. Okay, right. I got
3: I got one more tip though. Okay, one hey, more tip. So yeah. before you move on uh, off this yeah, yeah, property. Yeah. So here here's a here's an idea for people on the negotiation side. I mean, you guys are pro negotiators, so I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But you know, you walk into this house and there's so much stuff and. Obviously, it's overwhelming for people to deal with it all. Tell them not to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So just make people's job easier. It's amazing. to The cost of removing all that stuff is a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. We probably saved you know, six digits on the purchase price for that reason.
1: Yeah, by saying you'll dispose of it. Yep,
3: don't worry about it. Take what you need, leave the rest. We okay. got it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's actually it's unbelievable how effective you can be at just getting rid of stuff. If you if you know the right people for junk removal oh. and it, it's crazy, too, because, I mean, you, you think about it like just even so not only on the perspective of they don't want to be they, they don't want to pay for it being removed, but it's it's the hassle that people build. It Absolutely. takes it takes going through this once. You know, once where you have a bad experience, where it's like a few days of your life, and maybe you make a lot of money in your career or whatever, where you left money on the table for people to be like, "I don't want to deal with that anymore," right? <laughs> you know, and I, I, I get it. So take like you have the people. Why not leverage that? You yeah. know,
3: or Google them, and you can. Yeah, <laughs> find yeah, someone yeah, yeah, yeah. to sure. And, and, yeah, yeah. Take and it.
2: there's certain companies out there that that charge you an arm and a leg, but those aren't the companies you want to use. We for got a guy. Removal. Yeah, get in touch. <laughs> we do have a guy. We have a fantastic guy. So get in touch for that. So um, before
1: we before we go, you of course have a Covenant House fundraiser. You do. Uh, every year. I know it's coming up. Uh, I've already bought my new pajamas for the, for the party. But when have the, you bought your yeah. tickets? We're, we're doing <laughs> that today. That's the most important thing. Oh, we're, yeah. we're doing yeah. that today. <laughs> pajamas first. Pajamas first. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I had the right pajamas, but yeah, the Good. tickets are coming. Good. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? And, and we, we got some stuff in the work. It sounds like we're trying to put something together. So about kind of those issues. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I
3: mean, I've been involved, um trying to support Covenant House uh, for five years now. This is the, be the fifth annual fundraiser, and it all leads up to the uh, executive sleepout, which is a campaign that happens uh, at all Covenant Houses around North America on the same night. And we sleep out for one night um, just to bring attention and awareness and raise money for an organization that helps kids get off the street, essentially. And, the, I mean, we could, we could talk all day about um, – How those kids end up in that position, but being able to contribute in a small way uh, to help, you know, um, homeless youth in Vancouver and across the country is um, it's awesome. When you hear their stories, it it breaks your heart. And uh, but when you hear the um, the success stories when when people go through the program and come out on the other side and and they. You know, change their life around. Um, it it's the least we can do. So um, I decided to raise the money. Uh, my portion of it is to throw a party, and you guys have been. It's a uh, great party. Yeah, we, we we change it up every year. Yeah. It's a heck of a lot of work putting on this party. <laughs> I bet. I and, bet. And uh, and the biggest part for me is selling the tickets. Um, and so, if anyone's listening who wants to come, you can go to my Instagram page um i don't know if you guys throw something up we'll we'll, we'll put it out there too <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely and i should say last time
2: last party we saw a wet t-shirt contest <laughs> starring charles belash <laughs> oh yeah remember that oh right yeah, remember yeah, yeah, charles yeah. i totally forgot yeah, yeah. I turns totally out forgot. turns out he's he's in pretty good shape <laughs> actually
1: yeah you, you'd be surprised yeah or maybe not i don't know
2: maybe he is no, i think shape. i think he's known as being in pretty good shape
3: we, we had a great night. It's Should been we analyze a, it? Uh, yeah. I'm changing. Get a, get a photo. I'm getting you back on topic here. Uh, it's going to be on October 17th in the evening. It's, it's gonna, a pajama
1: party this year. Right.
3: It's a high-end pajama party. It's being hosted at CF Interiors, which is a furniture store with lots of beds. We're having a Twister tournament. Uh, we've got live music. Um, Where are you this, going with this? <laughs> uh, exactly. See, now I've got your interest. Uh, we've got incredible sponsors. So we get everything sponsored so that 100% of your ticket price goes to Covenant House and you get a tax receipt for the full amount. And it's, it's, it's so seriously I, the best. Yeah, thing the food can, is great. The drinks are oh, great. Yeah, the yeah. company's
1: great. There's, there's literally no reason why you don't want to be going the, to this the, party. Exactly.
2: The most fun you can have with your pajamas on.
3: Exactly. That's a And, and hopefully, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Why don't we leave it at that? Yeah. Exactly. Marketing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and can we finish with the five-wire here quick? Yeah, I think can you you've done it before, for that? but let's do it again. Favorite can- neighborhood in Vancouver? Main Street. Favorite bar or restaurant?
3: Oh, man, I suck at this. Uh, every time I, I stall on this <laughs> oh, one. Oh, wait for the next one. Ah, uh, crap. Um, bar or restaurant, bar, 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 bar,
1: (laughs) really anything. I think you said, (laughs) I think you said that sushi restaurant on commercial,
2: I'm blanking on the
1: name last time. Yeah. Britannia sushi. Yeah. yeah, Britannia (laughs)
3: sushi.
2: (laughs) Anywhere that serves
3: fat tug. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Had a few fat tugs last night, which is why I'm not as articulate (laughs) as I'd like to be. That stuff kicks your ass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One book that you would recommend to anyone listening.
3: I, I actually rarely read, but uh, I have Audible. So if I'm driving, I'll, I'll listen. Um, ask me the next question. <laughs> What's
2: one piece of advice you'd give <laughs> your 18-year-old self? It just keeps getting easier. Um, buy more
3: property. <laughs> Good. Yeah, earlier. It's Time is the, is the big function.
1: Uh, last question for you, Todd, and then we'll circle back to your favorite book. What is something that you've bought in the last year for under $500? I think last time it was your coffee mug, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Last, last, uh, in the last year for under $500, it's changed your life. Uh, And you're not using your coffee
3: mug, by the way. I know. I've oh, fallen off the wagon, yeah. but I rode my bike. Yeah. So you know, it's it's carbon <laughs> offsetting. Yeah. You know what, to be honest with you, my, my jacket, I I love this jacket. It's it it's, it's a good look. It's an it's indulgence, uh, Patagonia, the puffy jacket. I actually bought my first one for the sleep out because I was like, I need a down jacket to sleep on the street and uh, um I love this thing. Nice. I would wear it all year. Good, long good product, tried. good product, uh Patagonia. And, you know, you go there, and when you buy a jacket from them, they don't put it in a bag. Uh, they fold it into the hood, and they give it to you. And it's, like, fantastic. Yeah. You know? And, and they're, you know, socially progressive. I think they're an awesome company. I have nothing to do with them. I would love to, but, um, you know... Yeah, Us as well. There you go. Yeah, yes. yeah. Patagonia. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> has to say if if Patagonia yeah. is listening. Patagucci.
1: <laughs> and uh should we end on the on the book and how people can reach you, or do you want to skip that book one?
3: I'm no I'm no good at the book thing. Yeah. I'm really no good at the book thing.
1: Well, just how I people can find out it's, more about you then. Because you are good at the Instagram thing. There's I, no I do like about the that. Instagram thing. Yeah.
3: Um, you know, it's just at Todd Talbot. Um I I manage all my social media, and if people ask questions, I try and answer every single one of them. So, you know, message me on on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and and uh, I'll do my best to answer. Right on. Well, thanks. And I won't be as long winded as this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Third time your third time back. Thanks again for your time, Todd. You're always you're a wealth of knowledge. This is incredible. I just I just
3: like talking about this stuff. So
1: excellent. So there you have it, folks, our talk with Todd Talbot, celebrity realtor from Love it or List of Vancouver.
2: Man, Todd is, I got to say, he's an energetic guy. He's an intelligent guy. He definitely knows his stuff and uh, not, not too hard on the eyes. Well, yeah, that's why we would suggest going over to YouTube, where this will also be released. Exactly. You can watch this episode on YouTube, Matt. And also, let's just one more time talk about Vancouver Real Estate Live. It's October 9th, 7 to 8 p.m., and it might go a little bit longer. We're talking about residential and commercial real estate in Vancouver. We've got our guest, Corey Wright, and we're also going to cover the craft beer and big weed industry. You can submit your questions to info at Vancouver Real Podcast.com. Or just turn up. Yeah, or just turn up. This is a reason, you know, this is a reason to subscribe to our page on YouTube. It is absolutely a reason to do that. And uh, Matt, we should also say before we leave for the day, we do have a draw for Mr. Larry Beasley's Vancouverism. Secret drum roll.
1: And the winner is Secret. <laughs> nope. Zachary McRae. Zachary McRae. Congratulations, Zach. Uh, What does Zach say? Oh, wait a second. How well do you know Zach? I'm a little familiar. Mr. McRae. Congratulations, sir. Mr.
2: McRae? Sir Zachary. Uh, He writes Great podcast, great guests, and a diverse range of stories and experiences. I listen every week. Whoa, secret. Practicing the baritone? We're going to have to start calling you Deep Secret. (laughs) That's uh. <laughs> keep it to yourself, hey? Eh? Um. Anyways, what else do we got for today? It's uh. Oh, the Covenant House uh, event is also coming up. Pillow, pillow Talk, talk uh, pillow seven p.m. at seven p.m. at CF Interiors. This is Todd Talbot's annual fundraiser. I gotta say, there's lots of beds, there's lots of pajamas, and there's lots of Twister. It reminds me of how I pictured university, and it never really came to came to be. <laughs> exactly, somebody else's university. Yeah, day. exactly. All the movies.
1: Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So all the proceeds for Todd's party go to Covenant House. This is uh, beyond a good cause. So definitely check that out. It will be on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com. Sure. You know what?
2: While you're there, you should check out our other resources like private client services. Matt, if you're not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's available on our site. It is the best resource for looking for real estate in Vancouver. We've tried them all. There's nothing that will even compare. That is absolutely right. If you're not using PCS to search Vancouver real estate,
1: you're doing it wrong. We also have the Live Wire. We're sending out deals of the month. There's no reason not to get on those lists or go over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on YouTube. I'm telling you, that page
2: is getting exciting. No kidding. A video every Thursday. We've got a new video there. You can check it out. There's going to be our, actually, we've got this episode with Todd Talbot is being released today. So head over and check that out. We're also got the live event coming up on October 9th and we're going to have a lot more live events after that. So we are over at YouTube. So come check us out. Absolutely. And if you
1: want to talk real estate or anything else, give me a call at any time, 778-847-2854.
2: Or Matt at Vancouver Or you can try me at 778 866 4574 or Adam at Vancouver Real We also got that deep secret info at Vancouver Real Estate Now there's a secret we want to keep under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.